Can I add my welcome? I'm Lindsay, I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm going to take us through the next 20 minutes or so as we think about that passage that Val has just read to us. But why don't we pray before we start? Lord, we thank you so much for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that it shines a light to our path. And we pray, Lord, that you'll send your spirit now and that you'll open up the scriptures to us and that from them this morning we'll learn something more of the way that you want us to live for you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in the middle of a mini-series on the subject of scent at the moment, and today we're at the beginning, well, chapter four of Luke's Gospel, and if you want to follow it, you might find that helpful. Perhaps you've got the Bible on your phone, but if you haven't, I encourage you to grab a Bible there at the back, to my right, your left, in the corner. Um, And um, we're at the part in Luke's Gospel, chapter four, where... Luke tells us of the moment when Jesus reveals to everyone in the synagogue what his life's mission is. He reveals his reason for being sent to this earth, as foretold all those years ago by the prophet Isaiah. And a little bit more about that later on. But um, as you know, it's the Ealing Half Marathon today. And um, I, we live in a house that actually backs on to Lammas Park. It's very nice, and our bedroom overlooks the park, more um, so in the winter when the leaves aren't on the trees. But this morning, as I was getting ready, I was looking out of my window, and I could see streams and streams of people walking down the path the other side of our fence. And um, lots of them, I imagine, were um, getting ready to run, to run the, mar- the, uh, the half marathon. Others, probably supporters, um, going to cheer on their family members or their friends. But there was a great sense of excitement, and I could hear the music, and I just part of me thought, oh, I would quite like to be there. Actually, I only thought that for about 10 seconds. And then I thought, no, no, I wouldn't like to be there. Maybe one day, but not right now. But, you know, it really struck me that going for that marathon... And all the training that it involves, it's just, it's, it, it must be really hard. And I know uh, I've, one particular friend said, you know, said to me, I, you know, I thought about doing this. And, and then four weeks ago, I thought, why did I say I'd do it? And I imagine almost all of them have, have had moments when they've thought, oh, I wish I hadn't signed up for this. And it's, it's a struggle getting up early, having to do the training. And, you know, there's a lot to it. But equally... In a few hours' time, I don't know what time it finishes, but they're going to have that sense of euphoria, aren't they? At having overcome, at having gone through it, battled through, and they'll be so delighted and all their supporters will be cheering and it will be a real moment of delight, I imagine, and joy. Let's go to the start of our passage because seeing those, um, those, those runners this morning made me think about one of the themes that I want to draw out this morning, the idea of sometimes we have to go through difficulty before we come to that joy and before we really feel like we've kind of overcome. So the beginning of our passage, I just want to set the context. Jesus has been in the wilderness at this point for 40 days where he fasted from food and was tempted by the devil. That's the context at the start of this passage. He's been fasting, where he's been tempted for the devil, by the devil. And a few things I notice about this passage, and I just want to draw them out <clears throat> right now. 
40 days is a very long time, I imagine, to fast, isn't it? Um, I've never done a 40-day fast. That's another thing I only thought of doing for 10 seconds. Um, I've fasted, but not for 40 days. Um, uh, I don't know if you have. I don't know if anyone here has ever done a 40-day fast. I know it's, it's absolutely possible, um, but it's very challenging. And Jesus would have been hungry. He would have been hungry. But somehow he manages to resist all those temptations that come from the devil and we're told that when the devil had finished tempting him he left him until an opportune time imagine he thought well I'm not getting anywhere here with Jesus I think I'll, I'll, I'll come back another time I'll choose another moment when I can try and tempt him again so that's kind of where we are and then following that episode we come to our verse 14 and we read that Jesus returns to Galilee. He'd had an extremely difficult time. He'd been tested in lots of ways. And I imagine that he was feeling pretty rubbish at a pretty low ebb, I would think. Not fit for very much, you might think. Pretty battered from the process. And yet, he returns to Galilee, to his place of ministry, to his place of fruitfulness. He's not deterred. In spite of the testing time that he's had, he returns to ministry because he knows that he's sent. He knows that he's called. I don't know if you've come across the story of Corrie ten Boom. It's called, in fact, there are various versions of it, but the most familiar one is The, the Hiding Place. It's a fabulous story. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it to you. Um, Corrie ten Boom was part of a Christian family in Holland, and they hid Jews from the Nazis during the war. And they put themselves in incredible danger in order to protect these innocent people from the Nazi regime. And ultimately, sadly, they were actually caught and um, sent off to a concentration camp in, Ravens camp in Ravensbrück. And the book tells of how Corrie and her sister Betsy are treated abominably by the guards there, so much so that Betsy, who was older and more frail than Corrie, um, becomes ill and dies. Um, and if you've read or seen anything about concentration camps, which I'm sure you have, you will know um, just what the kind of thing that they will have gone through. And I imagine that a diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder would almost be an understatement, thinking of what they went through. It must have been very, very difficult to come through something so terrible, but Corrie did. She survived... And she went on to travel around, speaking about God's love and his power, sharing her testimony of the power of God to perform miracles and to enable people to forgive the worst atrocities. She returned to her place of ministry, to her place of fruitfulness. And you know, all of us have been through difficulty at different times, haven't we? Maybe you've been in situations where your faith has been tested, just like Corey's was. Maybe a difficult relationship where you were perhaps badly let down. Maybe a job where you weren't treated well. Maybe you were bullied. Maybe you've experienced serious illness, or maybe someone close to you has. 
Maybe you've experienced the death of someone very close, maybe prematurely. Maybe you've been through a time of temptation. Maybe you've given in to temptation. Succumb to it and come through feeling really terrible. No one escapes difficulty. And if we had time, I could tell you of difficulty that I've experienced in my life. Wilderness times, times when I've just had to trust God because I couldn't understand what on earth he was doing. When I couldn't understand why on earth he was allowing what he was allowing. All of us have had times like that, haven't we? And maybe you've been tempted at times to think, oh, I've just had enough. I can't do this anymore. I'm not even sure, God, whether you're there, whether I still believe in you, whether, whether you have the power to get me through this. I just don't know. Maybe you've been tempted to feel like that. Quite understandable for some of the things that you've been through, probably. And I imagine Jesus felt like that at times when he was in the wilderness. But he returned. He returned to Galilee, to his place of ministry. And I think we can do the same. I think we can. The next thing I notice, and we're actually still in verse 14 here, so we're not moving terribly fast, but it was this first verse that really grabbed my attention as I was preparing. The next thing I notice is that not only does Jesus return to fulfill his call, but he returns full of the Spirit's power. He's resisted the devil and all his temptations, so maybe that's why he's come through stronger. I don't know. It says in James chapter 4, that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. That's in verse 7. And then in verse 8, it goes on and it says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. And I wonder whether James here almost seems to be saying that resisting the devil and coming close to God almost go hand in hand. That when we take a stand against the enemy and we say, No, I'm not doing that that's when God can really come close. Jesus has been fasting too, a 40-day fast. Another thing that keeps us spiritually sharp and strong when times are difficult. In 2 Corinthians 11 and 12, Paul talks about the difficulties that he's been through for his faith. Floggings, imprisonment, beatings, stonings, shipwrecks, bandits, persecution, sleeplessness, hunger, thirst. My goodness, you know, there's almost nothing else that could be added to that list, is there? But he says as well, he will not give up on his faith in God. He will not give up. And later on, just a little bit later, in in chapter 12, he says this. He says that God had said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. So maybe that is why Jesus returns full of the Holy Spirit's power, because he's experienced extreme difficulty. I imagine he felt extremely weak, but he's resisted the enemy's temptations and he has remained strong. How do we respond in the face of difficulty, I wonder? 
It's a tough one, isn't it? It's tough, because hard times are miserable, and no one likes to go through them. It's hard, and often we just don't know what to do. Um, you know, we want to. Get, our natural tendency is just want to want to get through it, and out the other side, because this is just so ghastly, just you know, really awful. But sometimes we can't get through it. We can't. We we're not in control. So there's nothing we can do. We just have to sit it out and hold on and just trust God that he has a better future planned somewhere at some point. We have to pray and we have to hope. And if you're in that difficult place, that wilderness time right now, I want to say take heart. Take heart, because depending on how you respond, you too can come through full of the Holy Spirit's power. When times are easy, maybe we depend less on God. You know, we don't perhaps need him quite so much because we, we can manage okay, can't we? And so we experience less of his power, I think. But when times are hard, if we will lean into him, we can draw on that power and we can come through testifying to his presence with us. And that's a wonderful thing. No one likes the hard times, but the reward of pressing into Jesus and holding tight to his hand is wonderful. Like Jesus, we can return from the wilderness full of that power and we can come back to our Galilee to our place of fruitfulness, our place of ministry. Another thing I notice in this passage is that news of Jesus spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in the synagogues, it says in verse 15, and everyone praised him. There was great favor on Jesus at this time. People liked what he taught. And I wondered about this. I, I kind of, I was thinking, well, was he on especially good form maybe after fasting in the desert? He, it says he was full of the Holy Spirit, so I imagine he probably was, perhaps, you know, buoyed up, perhaps in a, in a good place, and, uh, and, and, and just maybe bringing something that people needed to hear, and, and also kind of attractive, attractive to people because of the Spirit in him. And because of perhaps what he'd been through and, you know, he'd come through strong. <clears throat> my husband Mark is a great speaker, I think. This is my husband here, for those of you who are new. He's here, um, here on the front row. And um, I always enjoy listening to him speak. But when he's been away on a trip, maybe a conference or a mission trip somewhere, where he's seen God at work in significant ways... He has often something very special to bring, and there seems to be a special anointing on him. I remember when he came back recently from Mozambique, and he'd seen God do the miraculous, and he'd heard stories of the miraculous, and he came back and he was fired up. I don't know if you remember that morning, but he was really full of the Lord, and, um, and it was striking. <clears throat> It was attractive to listen to him. He had a kind of special anointing on him. And we wanted to hear, I did, wanted to hear him tell those stories. I can't get enough of it when I hear of God at work. Thank you. And sometimes I think, we think people... 
sometimes I think we think people won't be interested to hear about our experience of Jesus. We were talking about this in Connect, actually, our, our women's group on Thursday, because we're thinking about who we can share our faith with in our day-to-day -day life. And some people were saying that they find it quite difficult to, um, to, to share their faith because they think people don't really want to hear. They're not really that interested. And that can feel hard. You know, you, you kind of you know, worry that you're going to be rejected. But I think that when we have the Spirit's anointing, and when we genuinely display that passion for him, that genuine faith in what God can do through us, that's attractive. I think that's compelling. I think that's what people really want to hear and see more of. When we step out and pray for people, believing for a healing or believing for a transformation, people are captivated. I was captivated. I was gripped by that story that Penny told of the power of God at work in that guy, raising him to life after four days. That's just, that's amazing. I think people are gripped when they hear of the power of God to bring transformation. And I think perhaps they're more captivated when they see us willing to demonstrate what we believe um, more so perhaps than just when, when, we, when we talk, when we, you know, when we have convincing arguments. It's not to say I'm against convincing arguments, but I think sometimes people want to see a demonstration of the power of God, you know, something genuine showing what we believe in. I prayed for someone a while ago. She was in her shop, and I told her a bit about our church, and she told me about, a bit about some of the difficulties that she was going through. And she seemed quite interested in church, you know, quite interested. Um, but when I said to her, would you like me to pray for you, she said yes. I think she was thinking I wouldn't pray there. I think she was thinking I'd pray that night when I went to bed. But I did actually pray for her. I said, well, let's pray now. And I made sure there were no other customers in the shop because I didn't want to kind of embarrass her. Um, but I prayed for her there and then and the Holy Spirit came on her and his peace filled her and she was really moved she was really struck she loved it and she said gosh I don't feel I can charge you now for what you're buying because you've done that for me I said no no of course you know, I, I'm still going to pay you that's just it's a very normal thing that's what that's what we do we believe in the power of God and it's you know that's it's a pleasure thank you for letting me pray she was struck. She was really struck. And you know, I believe that like Jesus, when we're full of the Spirit, we are attractive to those around us. And then just finally, we come to the bit when Jesus goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stands up to read the scriptures. That would have been a normal thing for him to do. And when he opens the scriptures, He's actually intentional, isn't he, about what he reads. And I'm just going to read it again. This is what he says. Opens the scroll and says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. 
As you'll know, it's from Isaiah, that little piece, Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, and it was prophetic of Jesus when Isaiah prophesied it all those years previously. And um, Jesus was a, a good Jewish boy. He would have known his scriptures, and he would have known that scripture, and he would have also known, because God would have revealed it to him, he would have known that it was prophetic of the call on his life. And so he reads it out by way of kind of announcing to the people who he is and why he's come. Quite a moment, I imagine, and people were impressed. Jesus was confident of his calling, wasn't he? He was confident and perhaps all the more ready to announce it at that moment and to step into it, having come through that time of struggle and difficulty and overcome it. I wonder whether that's why he, at that moment he was ready to announce his calling and to step into it. I may have shared before our struggle, Mark's and my struggle, when we first felt called to ministry in the church. This, um, obviously Mark was, had his own calling to ordained ministry, but then we were married and we felt called together to come um, into church ministry. And um, he had this call in his early 20s, and then um, as time went on and we, he was, we were sort of working it out, he secured uh, a rather nice, well-paid job with a company car, something that we hadn't had before. We'd had some pretty battered-up old cars, so it was very nice to have um, a nice salary coming in and um, a company car and lots of possibilities for a, a good career. And I have to say that having felt the call to ministry a year or so previously, it suddenly wasn't quite so attractive when it involved letting go of this rather nice new lifestyle that we'd come across. And of course we got there in the end. We, we um, of course, went in um, and did up and Mark went to college and here we are. But it was a struggle. It was a struggle and it took time working that out, working out that call and overcoming, with God's help, overcoming that temptation to do something different. Once we followed the call, we had the most amazing peace. And that's not surprising because when God calls us, he always gives us peace. And the other thing about it is that we've never lacked anything. Far from it, we've never lacked anything material. God has provided for us in amazing ways. And... That's what God does. When he calls us, he provides. And we don't need to worry. I wonder what God's called you to. Do you know? Have you ever wondered? Is it a call that's easy to follow or is it difficult? Your call might not be life-changing particularly, but it can still be a struggle, can't it? Even responding to a call to maybe a new ministry in the church, maybe to lead a life group, a new life group, or to join the hospitality team, or join the ministry team, even that can be a struggle. Because it's costly, isn't it, in, times of ta- in terms of time and energy. We have to put something into it. We, we give something up in order to take up a call like that. But you know, when God calls and we respond, there is always a sense of peace and a sense of rightness and a sense of blessing. And I think that's because we've overcome the struggle and we're free then to step up and step into it. One final thing. 
Whatever our individual call on our life, we are all called to that call that Jesus had on his life, as um, in those verses that I just read to you from verse 18 onwards. Everyone, I believe, everyone who calls themselves a Christian is called to preach the good news to the poor, so to share faith with those who don't know the Lord, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. We're all called, aren't we, to speak up for those who are less empowered than we are, to be a voice for the voiceless, to be God's voice in this world where there's so much injustice. We're all called to see recovery of sight for the blind, whether that be praying for people for physical healing or whether it's praying for people to, in a sense, have the scales removed from their eyes and see their need of God. We're all called to bring release for the oppressed, for those who live in darkness, who don't yet know the light, who haven't yet seen the light, haven't yet come into the light. We're all called to do all of those things, just as Jesus was, to varying degrees. I spoke at a women's conference last Saturday in Tame, and um, at the end of the, of the morning, a young woman came up to me, and she said, Lindsay, would you pray for me, and would you listen to God for me? I just want to hear what God wants to say to me. So I said, yes, I'd love to, and I, as I prayed, I just looked at her. I, I kept my eyes open so that I could see what the Lord was showing me, and I just sensed God saying to me that something had happened to her in her past that had robbed her of her joy, and that had and that that, that had impacted her up to night up to now in her life, um, and it was constraining her. It was cooping her up, and she was sad. She was living with disappointment, and she wasn't the woman that God intended her to be. And so I asked her if that made sense, and she said yes, absolutely, it did. And so I prayed for her. I just asked God to free her. I broke the power of the words that had been spoken over her, and I spoke freedom into her life. And as we finished praying, she looked quite different. Her sadness had gone, her smile returned, and her joy was very evident. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a complicated prayer. It wasn't, you know, there was, it was pretty simple. Pro- probably took me three minutes to listen to the Lord for her and to, just to pray those things. But it was life-changing for her, transforming. And you know, I think that as God's anointed people, we can all pray and bring freedom and healing to people by being ready just to follow God's call every day, wherever we are. And that's how we'll make a difference when we go where we're sent. Why don't you stand? In a moment, um, I'm going to invite the worship team to come and there'll be a chance for those who want to respond to come forward and to receive prayer. There'll be a ministry team here who will make their way forward. But just um, before we do that, I just want to pray. Um, And I want to say that as I prepared for this today and as I've been speaking, I just sense that there are some people here who are in the wilderness. And you may even be at that place that I said that you're just thinking, I don't know, I just, I can't do this much longer. I'm 
not even sure, God, whether, whether you're there. I just don't know where to turn. If that's you, whatever it is, whether it's a relationship issue, whether it's a financial worry, I encourage you just to come in a moment as, as we minister and just allow someone to pray for you. Allow God to enter in and enable you in that wilderness place. Um, I think there may be others who <clears throat> are sensing a call on your life. And maybe for one or two that could be quite a big call, but for others I think it might be something quite small. And I sensed on my way here today, I sensed that God was calling one of you to go to a neighbor and just to care for that neighbor. Maybe pray for them, maybe make them a meal. Uh, but just to go to a neighbor, it was very simple. Um, and then I just sensed as well that the Lord wanted to do some healing this morning. And um, just hearing um, Penny give that testimony kind of confirmed that. I just wondered whether there, are, whether there were people here who um, are suffering in some way physically. And um, when I spoke about preparing for the marathon, training for it, getting physically ready, um, it was almost like a sadness came over you because you thought, well, I would, I would never be able to do that. Um, but the Lord is a God. He's a God. Who, we have a God who heals. He has the power to heal. He has the power to do way more than you can ever imagine. And he's right here, and we worship him.